This is a hyperdrive blitzkrieg no huddle uh, of lobbying. This is the Super Bowl and New Year's Eve all rolled into one. This is watershed. This is historic. This is extraordinary. And you are listening to the Planet Money Podcast. I'm Adam Davidson. This is uh, our continued crisis week coverage. This is uh, week two, I guess we could say, week three, depending on how you're count, um, counting. It is Monday, September 22nd. We give the time here It's a, because things change so fast. It's 11, 12 in the morning. The uh, Chris Dodd bill literally just was released. Um, we know that congressional Democrats and uh, the White House are, are in fierce negotiations. And we thought it would be very helpful to talk to Scott Talbot. Um, Scott is, I guess you could call him the leading lobbyist for the financial industry. He Is that fair, Scott? Well, I'm one of them, yes. Okay. He, he runs lobbying for the Financial Services Roundtable. They represent... Basically, the hundred largest companies that care about what's happening this week, banks, financial institutions, uh, insurance companies. And Scott, you, how does this week compare to any other week in your life? Uh, This is like no other. Uh, this is, is uh, an amazing week. I, over the weekend, I received uh, 600 emails, uh, was on no less than five conference calls, and had a countless number of individual phone calls, and that was just the weekend. Uh, rolling into this week, it will be more of the same, but on steroids. Uh, uh, the, the day started for me around 6.30 and won't end tonight until about uh, 11.30 or 12, and then we'll get up tomorrow and do it all over again. Was I the first guy to talk to you this morning? Yes, you are. All right. Go, Adam, go. <laughs> Adam, you get the star. <laughs> okay. And I should say we're here with Laura Conaway. So let's do the top line. What's at stake for the financial industry this week? What are they paying you to make sure does happen? And what are they paying you to make sure does not happen? Sure. This is a huge bill, uh, and the housing sector and uh, subsequently the U.S. economy, as well as the major players and the taxpayers, as well as homeowners, are at risk. And the Treasury, along with the Congress, are taking huge steps. This is enormous. I can't overstress the, the, the enormity of this, uh, this act. Um, are taking a, this huge step to shore up the housing market, to shore up the economy, to shore up uh, individual uh, players in the financial services industry, everybody from Main Street, and all of the effects of these will trickle down to, uh, to uh, Main Street and to the taxpayers. I'm getting the sense you support the White House bill. We support... The White House proposal, it's actually Treasury put it out, but it's the administration's proposal. We support uh, Congress's efforts to move quickly. Uh, they want it, we want to get it done this week. The, the, the markets need the help right now. We, we support having broad authority from Congress to the Treasury, which we see uh, in the, the draft uh, Dodd bill that I have in front of me. Uh, we support flexibility for the Treasury Department to utilize its program, which is a $700 billion program, to purchase illiquid assets from distressed financial institutions to help free up capital and cash flow to allow those institutions to regain operations as normal, which include lending to consumers, both mortgage, credit card, auto loans, student loans, the whole bit. Um, This program will help restart the housing market and the economy and at the same time save Wall Street and Main Street. Scott, well, so, uh, can, can I just jump in for, sure. for the average listener commenter coming in? I'm just going to represent their side for sure. just a second. Um, what they hear when you talk about the Treasury coming in and spending $700 billion or $1 trillion or whatever it's going to be billion. to buy up these bad assets, um, 
what they say is seven hundred billion dollars to a bunch of people who made a you know a billion dollars already off my back. Right. I know you've heard that. And who caused the caused crisis the through the their place. faulty risk management? Yeah. Sure. How, do you, how do you deal with that? Sure, sure. Well, there's a couple of issues here. If you look at the subprime lending market, which is really the root of all of this, uh, we've got sort of two issues. One, there is a requirement that financial institutions under, it's called the Community Reinvestment Act, aggressively lend to uh, neighborhoods and outreach um, loans. So there's sort of a, you know, well, we were asked to do it, we're required to do it. At the same time, there's a, a large degree of culpability in the industry ranging from from real estate brokers to mortgage brokers to financial institutions to those including your members they do they are they they bear a fair amount of the responsibility and they're saying we bear some responsibility here sure so the answer is we started with uh, the requirement that we lend that that institutions lend to neighborhoods especially low and moderate income uh, neighborhoods Uh, and then there was some degree of culpability from the mortgage broker to the bank to the securitization to the investor all along the line no one stopped and said Hey, the emperor has no clothes. I got to say, Scott, I'm I, I'm I'm not a big believer in prime movers and single events that set things into motion. I'm particularly, I just got to say, just put my cards on the table. I'm particularly unpersuaded by the argument that this is all a result of the government saying you got to lend to poor people. Oh, no, no, no. There I, was tremendously lax um, lending standards. There's a complete collapse of of, tr- of prudent um, lending practices, um, and, and risk was simply priced far too cheaply. So what what happened? this week that pushes your membership to, I don't know if the word is be punished, but to accept the consequences of their bad decisions. In normal times, I think anyone who believes in capitalism, and I'm certainly someone who believes in capitalism, would welcome the idea that major institutions disappear when they take risks the size and scope that they took that didn't pay off. That's a good thing. I think most of your members agree with that idea, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, this is an interesting intersection of of politics and policy. In general, the market, we believe the market forces should work their magic. And we saw that with Lehman and we saw that uh, well, especially with Lehman. And however, you, I know it's hard to think of anywhere else where the markets have worked their magic lately. Well, there've been, you know, there've been a number of CEOs have been terminated, et cetera, et cetera. But, but now we've crossed into, and you make a good point, Adam. We've crossed into an, uh, an unusual area where the concept of too big to fail, uh, the entire country is in trouble, um, and we're beginning to see where the government says, you know what, if AIG. We cannot allow AIG to fail, not because AIG made bad mistakes, but because AIG insures the shipping world, the barber shops, the, the bakeries. And if AIG insurance is gone, then all of those, the, down, the domino effect, the downstream effect on those institutions will be they will not have insurance and therefore cannot operate. And the catastrophic effects on the economy in general justify the Treasury stepping in. This is historic and unprecedented. This seems like a great week for your membership. I don't see how they end up, as a result of this action, paying the price for the risks they took. Oh, I disagree. Um, looking at the Dodd, a couple things. One, they already have huge losses and uh, huge decreases in share value, which hurts not just the companies, but the uh, shareholders as well as you know the investing public, uh, pension funds, et cetera, et cetera. Is looking, turning to the Dodd bill specifically, they are talking about the government taking ownership, priority ownership, either through debt or equity positions in the companies. So now you have the government as an owner of your company. Secondly, there is a provision in here to limit executive comp 
um, for those companies, the executives of those companies uh, that participate in the program, which hits, you know, that goes all the way right up to the top. I don't like class warfare. I'm not, I'm not into that. But I think there, I, I, I feel the anger. I feel the frustration that our listeners let us know, that family members and friends of mine have let me know about. Those guys are walking off scot-free. And you're saying, no, not scot-free. They've lost major, you know, they've lost stock options. They've lost a lot of things. But they're not, they are not bearing the full weight, the full consequences of their decisions. And it, maybe what you're saying is, is just there is no way. You can't save the system without preventing those people from feeling the full consequences. Is that... Well, I mean, are, are you referring to institutions or are you referring to executives? I guess both. Yeah, I think from from the executive standpoint, if this uh, compensation provision um, remains in, they will certainly feel the pain there. As far as the financial, uh, uh, no, I should say you are working hard to get rid of that compensation. Oh, we're provision. opposed to that. I mean, that essentially is the the government setting the price controls for executive compensation. And what we're talking about is um, is it Senator Dodd? I know that uh, Barney Frank in the House wants to say that any institution that gets part of this government bailout their executives can only make a certain amount of money. They can't get golden parachutes where they get millions and millions of dollars when a company collapses or – right? That, is that a – have yeah, I described yeah, that right? Here's the language. It says, Secretary shall require limits on compensation uh, to include incentives for executives to take risks that the Treasury Secretary deems inappropriate or excessive. Now, and you I want d- that out. Yes. Scott, thank you so much. That was Scott Talbot, the chief lobbyist for the Financial Services Roundtable. Scott, you – you know, I feel like we had a frank exchange there. I appreciate your, uh, um, your, your, your doing that. I hope we can talk with you uh, as, this, uh, as this unfolds, both this week and over the next year. Sure. I'm Adam Davidson uh, for National Public Radio's Planet Money. I'm here with Laura Conaway. Do not forget to go to npr.org slash money. We have a lot of great information. We have a fabulous reporter, Dan Costello, in the other room analyzing, assessing everything that has been happening and posting it on our blog. We're going to have a series of really interesting podcast discussions today. Um, please go to npr.org slash money and also send your questions, send your comments, send things you want to know, things you want us to be asking people like Scott to planetmoney at npr.org.